What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does a day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. Okay, thanks for letting me interrupt this episode for just a quick minute with some reminders. One, Birth Story Academy is launching on February 1st, 2022, but pre-sales start on December 1st, 2021. So if you are listening in that window, I am offering 50% off to my loyal podcast listeners with code BIRTHSTORYPODCAST. Second reminder, click on birthstory.com, go to the workbook, type in your email address. It unlocks an entire library of all of my free resources. So if you want to learn more about placenta encapsulation, delayed cord clamping, have birth plan templates like Whatever your heart desires, I probably have written a guide for it. My latest guides are on postpartum recovery and breastfeeding. So I hope you will check out all those free resources at birthstory.com. And last but not least, I would love it if you would push pause and leave a review and then click the icon that says share and send the podcast or a favorite episode to someone that you know who is pregnant, trying to become pregnant, loves birth stories, or that would really enjoy the birth story podcast. The only way people learn about this is through word of mouth and referral. So I love those reviews and those shares, and I appreciate you so much. So let's get back to this episode. Okay, you guys ready? Ready. Colin and Katie, welcome. Thank you. Woohoo! Glad to be here. Well, today we are discussing the most ridiculous question ever. Katie. It's not ridiculous, but go on. Well, it's not totally ridiculous. Okay, so Katie and I are having breakfast at like Snooze. Yes, like we do at 7 o'clock in the morning on Saturdays. And Colin, my work partner, we I told her about this conversation. And I feel like <laughs> Colin has an idea, but I was like, nobody Google this because... If we're three really smart people and we've had penetrative sex before, all three of us, when I feel like oh, we should know the out. answer. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> Colin, <laughs> Colin's had all the types of sex, but we've at least all three have penetrative sex and Katie and I have kids and I feel like we should know the answer to this question. But, okay, let's talk about this. So I am going for a tubal ligation 
because I'm 43 and I don't feel like getting pregnant again. And so, so Katie brings up this question when I said, what were we talking about? Hysterectomies? No, we were talking about your tubal because D, who is our other breakfast partner, was shocked that you were going to subject yourself to early menopause. And you said, no, no, they're going to leave my ovaries so that I still have all of my hormones and I won't go through menopause until my body naturally goes into menopause. And I said, so do they just like tack your ovaries to something? Like if they're not attached to tubes or uterus anymore, right? do they just like float in your abdominal cavity like what do they what do they do with your ovaries if they're leaving them so this is this is the start of all of the questions that they we have Katie. Them to your spleen. you don't no, know I mean, that lying. I'm lying. there's no that. way okay but that's what we were thinking we were like so then do you have an ovary that like floats up to your gallbladder like it's wait, living its best life it's like i'm free like yeah. where do these ovaries go once untethered because we know right like one could deduct that the bottom of all of this is our cervix which we can reach in our vagina and we can feel it right right which they leave they're obviously what do they leave your cervix well i mean there's more to this right because then we were going to ask the next question of like what happens to your cervix and your uterus if you have a hysterectomy like okay wait but but, you're not having a hysterectomy you're just doing the tubal they're cutting the tubes Ovaries are staying, uterus is staying. Right. So right? If uterus also, and there's a difference between if you're having a if someone has a partial or a full hysterectomy. Okay. So like and a and a tubal. Okay. So and le- then there's a difference between taking all the stuff out, just cleaning out the closet completely. Okay. So let's go piece by piece. So let's say what's happening to me is like let's say my cervix is like the weight and it's holding down this uterus that's four inches by seven inches or something. But where, if I, if we cut the tubes, which we're doing, we're doing this, where do the ovaries go? Does the uterus miss question. the ovaries? That's what I, that, is, that is what I'm here for. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Tell me, like, I would like to understand. So if our ovaries are the source of so many hormones that are controlling things like menopause and ovulation and all of those wonderful processes that make us so grouchy. (laughs) Do they just like emit? Like, do they just like seep out? Like how will your body still get those signals if they're not attached to anything? Right. Okay. Do you ovulate then? And then if you do, where does the egg go? We clearly need a professional. Wait, 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 wait. Pause. I have a question. Okay. Um, that's what we need here. Another question. No answers. <laughs> Katie, More questions. you know what? Okay. The, this question is going to help, I think, help us. Okay. And if not, now we're just going to get a new answer. So when, when? Okay. So my question <laughs> is, are you getting a tubal litigation hides? Or are you getting your tubes removed? Well, a litigation would be going to court and having an attorney litigate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm having that. a tubal ligation. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Are you having a tubal ligation? Yes. So they're tying your tubes. No, a tubal ligation is where you ablate. They're ablating. But they still, but they don't, they don't just like cut and paste. <laughs> oh no, you they're removing them. To- Those tubes are coming out of my body. 
So, because from what I've always known, like when you get a tubal ligation outside of court into the OR, <laughs> um, it's they just tie your tubes and your ovaries would stay attached. So I think that's called a tubal or getting your tubes tied. But a tubal, from what I what I understand, which is clearly we all don't understand anything, a tubal ligation, the way they've described it to me, is that they're going to use, they're going to cut the, they're going to sever basically my ovary from my uterus and take that fallopian tube and they're going to cut it and then they're going to use cautery. So they're going to cauterize the ovary off and cauterize the uterus so that there's no connection at all. There's no, they're not, they're no longer related to each other. So your ovaries still have tendons that are connected to your uterus or tendons or ligaments or something. So your ovaries are double tethered. You think so? Because this is what we don't know. This is what we're no, gonna. I'm pretty. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well, we're gonna we're gonna like either Google this in a minute or we're gonna get an expert on the line. Just type in ligation and not litigation. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, mm-hmm. Remind me of that in just a minute. Okay. <laughs> so let's say they're tethered, as Colin says, by like some other tendon or something. Okay. I still feel like. They're probably floating around. That's what I'm visioning because I feel like I've looked at so many pictures and I don't like I think if you cut the fallopian tube off. I, I always thought that was the only tether. That's the that's to me, that's the only I tether. I think there's some gaps know. in some education, I think, is what we've learned here. Well, not the three of us have never been this, to med school. <laughs> I, well, I also feel like this speaks to a uh, side note for human anatomy and sex education in formative years. Right. Instead of maybe only teaching abstinence only, we can teach people proper anatomy. Yeah. Preach, Colin. This the fundamental problem of this is that the patriarchy. That's what we're getting. (laughs) That's what we're getting at. Also outdated diagrams. Yep. Yeah. I mean, did you know there's a whole movement for this woman who is, thank God, has done fundamental like petitions and change to get correct information about the clitoris? put into med med books what they weren't even they weren't even talking about our one most important part i mean me because i don't have kids that's my most important part but you know (laughs) you know so many of our doula clients don't even know there's a hood i'm like the external anatomy i'm good on like, I've got that down, Pat. This internal anatomy. When you get inside. I think that you might need to actually see if you could be a shadow for, like, a hysterectomy so that when they pull that out, that you could actually, like, see and examine it, like, when it's flat on a tray. I feel like that's what hashtags are for on Instagram. Instead yeah, I, was like, of I feel like we can... We can- do some YouTube <laughs> deep dive, maybe in a foreign okay. language with also foreign subtitles, but I feel like we could find it. Let, I, let's yeah, do that. Yeah. We're going to do this in a minute because clearly we know all the experts we know are currently working at the hospital. I've texted all of them they're and one all, of them's like, they're all busy. one of them's like, hey, I'm pushing with a prynip. It's going to be a couple hours. And I'm like, here's the thing. We're going to have to Google this in a minute. But the second part of this is, okay, so I'm doing this tubal ligation, but what they have said that... The, that I may have, well, I, I guess it's ruled out at this point. When it was presented to me, they were like, well, maybe we'll have to do a full hysterectomy if you have any cancerous cells in your uterine lining. So before you can do any of these procedures, they make you go do a biopsy. That was super fun. But I did get pictures of my cervix and pic- I made them videotape the um, 
procedure. Of course I did. Colin, you looked at it. What do you think about my vagina, Colin? First of all, beautiful. Primo, they're all beautiful. Primo symmetry. Um, The angles were great. Lighting could have been better. However, for this is a testament to also that vaginas are extremely resilient um, because I would not look at, I've looked at a fair, my fair share of vaginas and, you know, I wouldn't have looked at your vagina and said, hey, a 10 pound and six ounce baby came out of that. Oh, great point. I mean, because we usually are seeing the vaginas as the the doulas, we're seeing them like get really stretched in action yeah like in action yeah Yeah. and I guess we don't do follow-up visits with our clients to see you know what their vajayjays look like a year later (laughs) and while I'm in a hetero TLC (laughs) well and then I'm in a heteronormative real I'm not in a heteronormative relationship. Listen to me. I'm not in shit relationship. I am. I'm heterosexual. So I haven't seen vaginas outside of birth. But Colin, presumably you have. Have you ever dated a woman that after she had a baby? Um, Yes. And I've dated women pre babies and I have never planned on having babies. Um, And the way I describe it is, you know, all vaginas are beautifully unique and different, but like in, in the reality of it, the woman I dated that had had a baby, um, things were actually less roomy for her than someone that I dated previously that had never had a vaginal birth or been pregnant or anything. So, you know, I think that's a big thing. There's that myth about, you know, how, or that, how they used to do a husband stitch quote unquote, to make sure that, you know, everything was tightened back up how it was supposed to be. And, that's unnecessary. Totally like, unnecessary. Are extremely resilient. So. Right. I now, Colin, right. I've never seen anyone like. There's this stuff all over Instagram on this note about this husband stitch or this extra stitch. I've never, I've never witnessed this go down. Have you, Colin? Is this something you have to request? Um, I mean, no. It's so I've been at one hospital where a provider said hey I can give you they didn't say like hey I'm gonna give you a husband stitch they said like hey I can give you a stitch just to make sure that everything is you know stays tight and is even maybe a little tighter afterwards and thankfully my client and I had had this discussion about unnecessary repairs and she was like nope hard pass um because that actually can cause a lot more issues yeah okay we're about to have um Nikki Bergman from the Bell Method on to talk about pelvic floor. And I'm going to have to go over this question with her when she comes on. But, you know, fuck the patriarchy. Loose vaginas for all. <laughs> only repair them. It's work to do that. Exactly. Only repair them if you need them. Ooh, this is really exciting. Dr. Alex Montgomery said that she can call in 30 minutes. So we'll record this and then we'll push pause when we're done with all of our questions. And then we'll talk to Dr. Alex. Yay. Yay. Okay. I'm so excited. Okay. So now... So Going back to the topic. Her. Hold on. Let me, let's get us back on track. I'm here. I am sprawled out. They're taking pictures of my cervix. I'm doing this biopsy and I do not have cancer is what comes back. And so she says, oh, you can keep your uterus, which is attached to your cervix. It's all one big unit. And I was like, great. So then Katie and I were at lunch, Colin, eating, what were we eating? Pancakes or something? 
I don't know, but I, delicious. We're um, just eating and talking about vaginas. I just wanted to say that. Like, doulas can do that with their friends. The, mm-hmm. As you do. Trend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was a guy from Hinge sitting directly across from me at 7 this o'clock in the morning. This was the same breakfast, Hides. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was one thing leading to another. Yeah. We started with the floating and I work so well together. We never do anything small. We don't do things <laughs> not extra. They just, it just all is a, a, a experience. Yeah. Well, here's this hot guy at, from Hinge sitting across. Basically, we were having breakfast together. Just Katie and Louise didn't know that. And we're, anyway, we're having this talk. So now the, we're having the talk about the uterus coming out. Great. So let's say you have a full hysterectomy, right? Is that where they take the uterus and the ovaries and everything? All your reproductive yep. things? Okay. Now, when I'm having penetrative sex with a male or a toy, let's say this, it hits my cervix. Katie? What? Have you ever felt this, like with like Brad hitting your cervix? I don't like, know. There's a stopping point in there. Oh. Have you ever felt up in there? See, I... Uh, this is what I do. I need a picture. This is, what, this is where the hashtags come in, right? Because I... So, like, with normal sex, when, like, when there's not a condom at play, and you know what I mean, how far up does semen go? Like, at ejaculation, does it go up into your uterus? Surely, because that's where pregnancy occurs, right? I don't, I think all the time, sometimes. So... Um, it's different than if someone was to ejaculate like on the counter or they do ejaculate in you vaginally <laughs> where there's counter. already, well, listen, there's a difference. The counter's dry. Your vagina hopefully is not. And so also with all like the seminal fluid, right? Because semen is a very small part of what comes out of that. Um, it's, you know, that lovely ejaculation experience. And so all of that liquid that does go up into your vagina still gives the little swimmers, the semen, room to actually continue to go down the stream. So, like, you'll know there's, like, infographics and there's, like, short videos and all those things where you see, like, how sperm travels. Um, typically, when you're ovulating, your cervix is farther forward. So they have the little little soldiers have less of a like a journey to go to get through your cervix if you're not ovulating and your cervix is higher up in your vaginal canal typically that's why it's much more difficult because they have a longer they have a longer marathon to go as opposed to a sprint good lord that seminal fluid then would always remain in your vagina and the soldiers have to soldier through the cervix into yeah. the uterus that wouldn't just be catapulted up into your uterus at the point of ejaculation no they got to right. swim in the jelly colon right the jelly helps yep. them yep like vaginal discharge your jelly your ovulation jelly also like since your cervix is not like a brick wall but it's still you know a dense thing right like they we don't want them flung against a wall <laughs> so like but we gotta your, your cervix has to be dense to still have everything that's tethered to it and to hold everything in so they have to work through that 
process. I just imagine these little like tadpole looking things going boing, 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 trying to, <laughs> trying to find the little opening of the belly button looking like cervix. Oh, on that note, if anybody wants to know what a cervix looks like, I did put a picture of my cervix on the internet, on I Instagram, saw it. I saw it yesterday. on a reel. Isn't it beautiful? It kind beautiful. of looks like a belly button, but like, can you imagine all those little spermies like trying to get to the side and then like trying to find that little hole? Gosh, it's amazing. There's like 7 billion people on this planet. That's why the, that's why there has to be so much sperm, because I feel like percentage wise, based on the intelligence rate of mm. sperm. That <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like one in every 87 million. Make yeah, it that's through. Why it probably only, that's why it only takes one, because the universe is like, oh, and science is like, OK, we're not going to be able to need a bunch of these guys because they're not going to all figure it out. <laughs> So, like, who in the world knew our cervix changed positions during ovulation? But I think maybe she's lying a little bit. I think. No. It sounds. Colin's a fertility doula. So. She knows what's up. Like, when it comes to, like, spermies and all this, she's a fertility doula. Like, I. I This is accurate. I was like, this sounds like when my husband is giving me an answer to something and I always, it's like such a confident answer. And I'm like, you are totally making this up as you go. But this do, is you wanna know, smart. do you want to know why I know besides the fact that I'm brilliant, obviously I should have just gone with that, but I have very short fingers and I have to check for my IUD strings. Uh-huh. Um, and so I can only reach my service during certain times of my cycle and in certain positions and certain fingernail lengths yes i'm proud of you for checking for your iud strings i never once did that very well with my experience you know i have yes that is colin's had an iud migrate which i don't even know what that means too but hold on let's move forward other thing that's like the ovaries she should be even more concerned yes even more (laughs) concerned okay so now let's say we remove with this hysterectomy we remove it the cervix right which is attached to the uterus i do know that and then like say you have a full hysterectomy so everything's gone are is your if you are in a if you're having sex with a penis or a toy now, like what, or your partner's strap on, that's what I mean by toy, whatever. But like, what, where does it, it does, and now doesn't have a place to hit or end. You could probably then have sex with the world's largest penis, right? Where does it go? Like, where does it go? This is very confusing to me. If there's no cervix to block, are we now just like putting penis up by our gallbladder surely they have to cap that because there would that would be like infection city oh good point because then we're the question we asked at breakfast katie no conundrum you specifically said where does the sperm go well yeah that was my question specifically so like i know so we have total hysterectomy we have partial hysterectomy like and those I'm just, my question is, I wonder, one, how that's decided, aside from, because I know that, like, total, I don't think impartial, they may, I think impartial, they may leave your cervix, like, they don't clean out the whole closet, it's like they're leaving your vagina like you're staging a house, like, you have just enough Mm -hmm. to want people to still Mm -hmm. come be in it, Mm -hmm. and so, I think, like, it's interesting to look at whether it's, like, if you have cancerous cells, and that's why you need a hysterectomy, or you have 
some sort of like severe endo or endometriosis, you know, like those sorts of things. I think, cause I don't think they just, with all hysterectomies, they don't just take out your cervix. Oh, this is, hmm. mm. but then how do you detach the cervix from the uterus? Also, can we talk Tie about who, like a balloon? whose <laughs> penis is that big that they're going to reach my gallbladder? <laughs> I don't know. I was watching short torso. Couldn't say. Oh my god! I was watching this movie with Zac Efron last night, and he was dressed up in a costume, rock out with your cock out, and it was the largest strap-on cock I've ever seen in my life. In this but here's, movie, but here's 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 my thought: is like I'm a plus size woman. You also have to get, you know, you probably lose an inch of access based on my butt cheeks, depending on where I am. Like, and also. So that, and then how long a typical vaginal canal is, and then where your cervix is in your cycle. I mean, I feel like if you're packing that much heat, like down south, that's you've probably got to get your pants tailored from somewhere very expensive. And I don't feel like that's super common for men. <laughs> Not super common, no. Okay. But still, where does but it? It's a 1% chance that someone has a 13-foot cock. Where does it go? Oh my gosh, Dr. Alex just texted and said, do I need to do research in advance? And I said, no, I'm sure you know the answer to our questions. So basically our questions are that we're not understanding are if we remove the cervix and the uterus, where does sperm go? Where is the ending for um, penises or toys? Where do your or ovaries go? Or anything, like yeah. pool water. Pool water. Right, your cervix. Hold like, on, when it's, when it's closed, is keeping out all that stuff. No, Colin, can you tell Katie about water and being in a bathtub and vagina? <laughs> so I always say your vagina is not a vacuum. Like you don't just some may get in there because there's a gap, right? But you're not just in there hoovering up dirty bath water into your badge. <laughs> Or it pool water. Situation. Oh, if it, if your if your inner if and outer you, labia were parted just right, and you cannonballed into into <laughs> Lake Norman, which we know is not very clean, then how far would the water geyser from the lake go up? Exactly. I'm talking body? about like water skiing, y'all. We definitely get like right. You I mean, wipe out, and that stuff is like up going up in with there. Force. Yeah, it's an enema of your asshole, and it's a douche <laughs> up there. <laughs> like it's all the things when you wipe out on a on water skis. Mm -hmm. All the maybe things. that's a rule for your post op, like no water skiing for his. Maybe like what? is that something that you have to give up? Yeah, because that's that's something I consider. Okay, so is it possible that smart doctors and surgeons before us thought through all of these things before they ever did a hysterectomy and possible. figured out a way to close the hole so it doesn't go? My vote is like it's a close the hole though. No, no, no. Cap it. Cap it. Cap it. Like, like with what? Like a mesh. Mesh. Like That's a what mesh. I was thinking. Mesh, right? Like, I've got so mesh. Still, stuff could pass through mesh, right? I'm thinking like where you tie off the end of a balloon. But I'm saying like you don't need to wear like fish nets. But then right? you would like, still I'm get uterine cancer, like... Katie. Sorry, Colin. I interrupted yep. you. What about fish nets? 
<laughs> oh, see, you need to wear like it's. I'm not thinking like fishnet opening. I'm thinking like very thick. Mesh. I see. I see. Hmm. Shall we push pause here and wait for Dr. Alex to call? I think we've asked a good number of questions. <laughs> wait, so hold on. Let's re- okay. So our questions are: Where do ovaries float to? Where? Yeah. Where? How do our, our ovaries getting sutured to our spleen? And then, if they take out all the stuff, what happens? And then, what if they don't take all the stuff out? And then also, how big is too big after things are taken out? Or is that even a possibility? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of that. Okay, and I can't... my question, my like 1B for the ovaries is I still want to understand how does our body, once you've cut the tubes, how does the hormone transfer from the ovaries? Like, I don't know. I guess. I guess like how does it go out like that? Yeah, like how is it emitting the signals that our bodies need to like go through menopause or whatever? It's you know, so obviously hard. when they take your ovary, those signals are gone. They're not there anymore. So your body's like, oh, so we're going to do menopause then. But then you leave the ovary so that you don't go through menopause. How is it when they're floating attached to your spleen? How is... <laughs> that <laughs> you guys there's no spleen involved here unless you have well unless you have endometriosis and then there's scar tissue everywhere <laughs> i'm so sorry heidi now there's gonna be a movement your ovaries get attached to your spleen new t-shirts yeah. no i hear what you're saying katie i totally hear what you're saying because i'm actually getting a tubal so i'm thinking about these things but i'm really my big question is where the fuck is the egg gonna go like if every month I'm still having these hormones and I'm ovulating, you're like a chicken, is you're my going to roost. you're gonna start roosting? If the ovu- if the egg doesn't go down a tube, where does it go? You're gonna, oh, you're gonna be on your Peloton and you're gonna come off and you're gonna have a little baby chick. If I were to die in 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 twelve months and they were to open me up, would I just have twelve eggs sitting in there? Why do you have to go there? No, we already decided you're going to have a little peep peep when you get off your Peloton. Huh? Because you, you're going to have an egg in there. So you're going to incubate it when you're riding your Peloton. Right. And then and then afterwards, she's going to have a little chicken. So I'm going to yep. still bleed. Yeah. How is the egg going to get to the uterus to well, help I me bleed? Will you still bleed? Why don't we? Okay. I feel like what I'm hearing is. And this is my therapy. I feel like what I'm hearing you say is that it's time to call Alex. It is time to call Alex. <laughs> I think okay. we the end of our knowledge base. Okay. <laughs> Let's call. We've just seen how far our scope would does go. Okay. Let's Dr. Alex, let's bring her on. Hold bring on. her on. Okay, you guys, we got Dr. Alex on the line. We're so excited to get answers to these ridiculous questions. Um, Alex, will you tell us a little bit about who you are? Yes, uh, my name is Alexandria Montgomery. I am a certified nurse midwife out of Charlotte, North Carolina. I have been a midwife for more than 10 years, so a little bit over 10 years. I am a doctorate prepared nurse midwife, so I have a doctorate in nursing practice, and I'm a certified nurse midwife and still loving it. And we love you. Alex, we work with Alex a lot. Basically, 90% of our clients are with your practice. So <laughs> we, we love Dr. Alex. And so... Alex, we're going to have you set it straight. So 
really quick, this is basically what's gone down for the last 25 minutes that you've missed. Katie okay. and Colin and I are discussing the following things. And you guys, Colin and Katie, jump in. When someone has a tubal, what, where do the ovaries go? Do they just start floating around? And then where do the eggs go? Do they... Like, if you die, do they just that's cut you open? That's a great question. And you have, like, hundreds no, of eggs inside great, of you? That's a really good question. No. Okay. <laughs> Thank so, you. Thank you. Okay, that's you that's the first question. Go ahead. Okay, so to answer that question, so think of, do you know how, um, I, this is going to be very stereotypical, but how your grandmother would tie her curtains back with a string, and it would have, like, the curve, and then, like, the curtains are closed, but she ties them back with a string. Do you know what I'm talking yep. about? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it has that that drapery look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the ovaries are attached. The fallopian tubes and ovaries are sort of attached in that way. So it's still technically attached. Okay. Just the tube between that leads to the uterus is severed. Okay, so when you say attached, attached to what? Attached to the uterus or attached to? So it's like a curtain-like material that attaches all of the, it's like, so think of it as a, let me see, piece of tissue that attaches all of that to the uterus. (gasps) So that's something we didn't know. There's a curtain Uh, we didn't know about. Pardon. I'm sorry, Colin. You called it a tendon. You said it was attached to a tendon. But you can see it, like if you Googled a picture of the ovary and uterus, you could see, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about immediately. Okay. On purpose, none of us Googled anything just so we could get out what was like in our brain. And by the way, Alex, this episode is all about the patriarchy, how sex education in our country, like we should know these things about our bodies. And the fact that we don't know anything is because of the patriarchy. (laughs) So that's what this all comes down to. Okay. So then. Okay. But then the second part of that though is when you ovulate, once the tube is severed, where do your eggs go? So they're still just in the ovary. Like being yeah. recycled back into the pool of eggs. We're confused. Uh, I'm like, does your body absorb it? Like it does like when a twin dies, like what in the world happens to these eggs? Or do you even, do you still ovulate? Yeah. So the answer to the tubal question, if you get a tubal, you still ovulate, but the eggs just don't have a place to go. So they're just reabsorbed. It's kind of like a bruise. The same way you get a bruise, that blood has nowhere to go. Eventually your body just reabsorbs it. That makes us feel better, Alex, because you missed this part of the podcast, but we were saying (laughs) that we were just going to start hatching eggs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Roosting. 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 I'm sorry. Roosting Roosting. eggs. I love it. Roosting eggs. (laughs) Oh. Okay. I have a follow-up question to this with Mm -hmm. the eggs. Mm -hmm. So my other question was, how does the hormones that your ovaries are responsible for? Because my understanding is that when you do a full hysterectomy and you remove the ovaries, that is what signals to your body that it is menopause time. And so leaving the ovaries in place allows your body to go through its normal cycle of functions hormonally so that you would go into menopause naturally whenever your body is ready. When you cut the tubes, how Mm -hmm. is the ovary signaling to your body, those hormones? Is it because it's still attached by this curtain of tissue that you've described? Like how does it emit the hormonal signals that our body Um, needs? 
yeah so the, the the chain of events or the hormones are still there it's just the egg can't travel to be fertilized that's the only the the road is closed but all the traffic lights are still there there's just a deep, there's just a barrier on the road. Yeah. And Katie, I think, right, Alex, these hormones are released in there in our bloodstream. Yep. Correct. So the hypothalamus is a part of it. The pituitary is a part of it. The ovaries are a part of it. Is your adrenal gland part of it? Not in the like axis that makes you ovulate. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. All right, now Colin let us know that there were all different types of hysterectomies, like partial and full. Yes. And anyway, <laughs> I just noticed because I've talked to them about going extreme and just taking everything. <laughs> so, Alex, essentially, mm-hmm. what we're going to end this podcast on is wait, like, if right now, we're having penetrative sex with something, a penis, a toy, something, and that's hitting a cervix. Mm-hmm. And then we take that cervix and uterus away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? What happens? Where does the sperm go? How big of a penis or a toy can you use? Like, is there an ending point if it's the cervix is removed? Yes. So there is an ending point, um, but it's not, it's not like super short. I think it's a, if you don't use it, you'll lose it type of thing. Um, and so you'll know that there's an end point, but that ha- like, it's still very, the vagina because it's wrinkly as you're aroused kind of stretches. So the capacity is still as great as you'd like it to be for the most part. So can where- we back that up? Your vagina is wrinkly? It's, yes, it's got what we call rugae. Rugae. Katie, we're going to have to get an mirrors. hour for a baby to come out. You think like a vagina, it's millimeters long and babies <laughs> just fall out. <laughs> yes, That's it's, how, it's, can you confirm something for me, Dr. Alex? Because, I will try. Um, just, just so someone can know I was not blowing smoke up their ass. Where you are in your cycle, your cervix is in different positions, correct? It can be, yes. Typically. And if, so one of the other questions we had talked about was ejaculate being in your vagina and how it gets from, if it's not catapulted into your uterus, how it gets from point A to point B. Like, like it swims? Yeah. Like sperm? Yes. Sperm swims. And how does it find its way so easily through a cervix? The eggs call the sperm. <gasps> like <gasps> vaginal, like vaginal, <laughs> vaginal, it's vaginal sonar. I am here for this. This Are is crazy. Like, like the egg is like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the least. It's like my milk. <laughs> how do we not and know these things, you guys? The older we get, that's why it's harder to get pregnant because that voice is lower. Oh, we get our eggs get quiet and, and grumpy because they recognize they don't want to deal with bullshit. So get basically over, yeah, sperm has a vibrational tone that it prefers and hears. I mean, maybe. Is it and it's like, oh, is it an actual sound? Instead of, oh. No, it's not it an more actual like a magnetic sound. pool. It's like, it's, I think it's more of a hormonal, like. Like pheromones, pool. but on the inside. 
Sure. sure. No idea, though. This is, I've never heard of this, Alex. I've never. This is mind blowing. This is, again, the pro- this is the problem, you guys. It's the patriarchy. Why are we not I mean, teaching? It's like follicle stimulating hormone, right? Like that's the voice that makes you produce a bigger egg that can be fertilized, right? So, thyroid stimulating hormone, that's the hormone or the voice that makes you produce more thyroid hormone. I need someone that's just to, how I describe it. I need this is beautiful. I need someone to get in <laughs> yeah. there and record it with some kind of sound recording. It calls the egg. The egg calls the sperm. <laughs> that is crazy. Like, so yeah. otherwise they're stupid and they don't know, like if there's no egg for it to be called to, will it not try to travel then into the cervix from they're the just bad? Just around I think around they directionally, the like they travel directionally, but it may take them too long and then they die before they get there. Oh, bless their I hearts. mean, but they can, it can live a long time, like <laughs> six days or something. Katie, yeah. you have three children. This is the first time I've ever believed my mom, who was a teen mom, who said, I didn't know how you got pregnant. That's what she says to me. <laughs> and it's like and, actually true, right? And I never believed her until I heard Katie say, how does, with three children, how does the sperm get there? <laughs> okay. Okay. But listen, it's because. I always assumed wrongly that <laughs> the uh, during the process of ejaculation that that force forced sperm <laughs> into your cervix. That there was. So I think most like, of it is us. Like those wrinkles on, like like progesterone and estrogen increase, like those wrinkles that help push the sperm that way. Like the egg, our egg is released towards like. Like they need a lot of help from us to get for us to get pregnant. <laughs> mm. And is it like the jelly? The term, like, yeah, like isn't your like the jelly what? the the ovulation jelly? Doesn't that help carry the sperm too? Or no? Ovulation Did I just make jelly? that up? Like oh, you, you know, talking like, about like our discharge? Our discharge, yeah. Like the egg white discharge. Yeah, um, that's what. You, see, so. this There's is the thing we don't even know what that. to call it. <laughs> <laughs> It's like cervical fluid. So anyway. Yes. yes. You're vaginal discharge. Okay. Yes. All of this to be said, you guys, we're trying to figure out, I was like, <laughs> what happens to the sperm when there's no, like, I'm, I think I'm still just confused on that because in my mind, it's a yes. big open cavity and the sperm can swim to your gallbladder and your spleen no. and your stomach. So I'm confused. No. So they sew the end of that closed. Oh, like the end they, of your vagina is sewn closed. Oh, okay, so there we closed. go. Who said mesh? Someone said I mesh. Said, I said, I said like a mesh or something. Like I a fishnet. She said like a fishnet stocking. I said, no, no, no. I said not <laughs> a fishnet stocking. I said, I'm not talking about just leaving it open for anyone. I said a thick pantyhose. thick dense mesh is what you said. Yes, you are right. Okay. That's what you said. So the cavity is closed. Yes. And totally close. Like, if you did a cannonball into Lake Norman, what would happen? You'd hit the bottom? Is that what you mean? (laughs) No, I'm talking about a gush of geyser lake water or a a small fish finding its way. She took a garden hose and shoved it in her vagina where the water would go. It, it would, would just come back out. It would just it come, would back, come right out. back out. It would not yes. fill up to my heart. Alex, if you Correct. could have even heard the beginning of this podcast before you got on and what we thought happened to the water <laughs> and the sperm 
and the hey, toys. If you had to give up water skiing, like test her out <laughs> oh, to me. Yeah. And then, no. I have to sign a waiver that says like, I'll never water ski because I understand I mean, that means <laughs> dirty lake water will end up in my abdomen. But what happens now when you don't do those things? Like that doesn't happen now when you do those things. The Correct. cervix stops it. But you have, you no, know, but you have a uterus. Like, you know that your uterus is still like basically an upside down whoopee cushion, right? So eventually sure. it's like, it's going to come back out. But if you take that away and then you yeah. just have your open cavity. Sure. And like, You're like, you would have been fine if it filled up the uterus with dirty right. like Norman water, but just right. not beyond, just not beyond that. Yeah. No, correct. I'm going to say no on either. Do you know? I'd like the brain to not be in my uterus. Um, no. So they close the end of that. So where, wherever they take out the cervix, that oh. hole is there, but then they sew that closed. Okay, so can I ask a follow-up question? Since sure. Heidi is clearly um, un blatantly explained that she's a size queen, but since we want to know about how big is too big, if you've had a hysterectomy or anything like that, and they sew off the top, right? So that's mm-hmm. where we talked about, like, because of all that, you'll know when it's too far. Right. right? Like, right now, if you're hitting your cervix constantly, then maybe that would be too big. Okay, like because so, find works. a different position. But like, if you're not hitting your hitting your cervix and pushing your uterus up and feeling that, then you should be fine. Got it. Okay. So when yeah. you have when you have a hysterectomy, because I know like the I assume the nerves and things will be different, but like if you had a full hysterectomy and they removed your cervix and all that and they did your closure, would you feel a similar sensation? when you know you have sex with a toy or an individual or whatever that's too large or too long and you feel that like twinge in your cervix and you're like nope no thank you twinge in your yeah, cervix the exact same but you'll know you're at the end you know what i mean yeah like the same way you're like like oh that's too far like that hurt a little bit like you'd back up i think in the same way it would okay. be the same Colin, yeah. you said twinge yeah. in your cervix it feels like someone's hitting my throat like it, that's how bad it hurts. I have, okay, but you have to remember, I have hypertonic chronic pelvic floor pain. Okay, I'm like twinge in my cervix. I could handle, <laughs> I'm like. Enough, it's hard enough to get anything in my vagina, let alone that far I'm like, if vagina. it hits the cervix, I'm like, oh God, I we're done here. Mm-mm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and it also can be, depending on where it hits your cervix, like some people, if it's hitting like the neck or the side of your cervix, that's very different than hitting your cervix directly on, like mm-hmm. right like in the middle. Like soft, know. smushy belly button looking right. thing. Right. Which, I, Alex, you missed this, but I have a picture of now, thanks to Dr. Somebody at your practice. And uh-huh. it went, I, I put it on Instagram so everyone can see my cervix, cervix on Instagram. She took a picture for me. I was very happy. So, so cool. You should see, you should be able to see your cervix. Yes. Okay. This is so, this was so informative. Alex, you have no idea. We could probably <laughs> have you on for 10,000 episodes of stuff you should know about your vagina and it. reproductive organs. But um, we, I'm, I still, I feel a little confused still, but I feel like I've got it now. Like I feel I'm going into my tubal, my tubal's in a couple of weeks and now I'm going Uh into my tubal and I'm feeling like, okay, I've got it. I've, I've nailed it. And who, Katie, you had a, a question though, about when Dr. Alex is in, like she's in the room with a patient and they're, what, what was your question? 
Yeah, like when when people are having like a consult, is that what you're talking about? This yeah. question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the when, consult question. Like when someone goes in for a consult and they're like, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're just gonna like clean you out. We're just gonna like take it all. Like, do those people not have ten thousand follow up questions? Like, are these questions people are asking? Because clearly, the three of us. We pieced it together, but we wouldn't want to teach our children the things that we thought we pieced together. <laughs> Where does the sperm go when my husband and I have sex after this or my partner or my, you know, like, or so I'm going to ovulate and then what's going to happen? Like, do people just not, is this not a curiosity? Like, why is this just not coming up? And we're all like, we should know the answer to this at this stage in life. Sure. I think it depends on why you're there, right? Like if you've been having pain or you you're bleeding 20 days a month, like, and I'm telling you, this is going to stop that problem. You don't really care about what else that means in that moment. Right. right. So I think Fair. a lot of times that's why those questions don't come up. And then they're like, Oh man, I feel like, you know, my husband's hitting my throat every time since I've had my hysterectomy. It's like, Oh, okay. We probably need to have a follow-up question about that. But I also don't do that pre-op very often. And so some of these questions might already be answered as a part of the risk and benefits of having a hysterectomy. Got it. And I think you were right, Colin. I think it is the broad ligament that holds the uterus. (gasps) Colin. Yes. Look at Colin (laughs) for the win. Like I took anatomy like 14 years ago. I'm like, I think it's the broad. Yes. And I'm going to. Did you say that that ligament is attached to your spleen? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Okay. So she was we'll only fifty percent right. I'm trying to send Heidi a picture. I got him. I was just kidding about what they were suturing it to. I don't even know what other organs are down there. <laughs> I got it, and it does look like a curtain. This broad ligament. That's, yes there you go did you get the picture yes excellent I'm glad we didn't google this because it was much more fun (laughs) to ask you Alex all of these questions so so Dr. Alex thank you so much for coming on and entertaining our ridiculous um, sex education over here and what's about to go down when I have my tubal ligation and if anyone is seeking a hysterectomy or needing a hysterectomy I feel like you just clarified a lot Um, there's also a book that you have authored can you tell us about it before you go oh my gosh yes absolutely so um ginger breed love is actually the editor it is called the first six weeks it's a book about the fourth trimester um and it's more of a dialogue of real stories to give you a glimpse of some of the things you might experience during that time i will link to it in the show notes and just so you guys know alex is also quoted in the birth story pregnancy guidebook and journal talking about pasmo which is regressing cervix so she's all things extra expert in this area. Alex, we're so glad that you were on to just set us straight. Thank you for letting us um, ruin slash capitalize your day. (laughs) (laughs) You're so welcome. We'll see you later. Okay. Thanks, Alex. Okay. Thanks. thanks. You're welcome. Bye. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like. 